am I afraid that this person's going to say no when I ask them to buy this product? Is that what I'm afraid of? Well, no just means that when I ask them to buy it this way, they don't like the way I'm asking. I have to try something else. But when you find yourself being afraid, that's telling you something. That's telling you somehow you have a high value on what's around you, what you're doing, or the risk. And so if you're going to have a, if you're going to take the risk, you have to assume that it's not always going to go your way. Okay. Hi, everyone. And welcome Lee Gerdes to the show where we will be talking about fear. And I could read um, your, your super impressive bio, but I would rather have you explain a little bit to the audience who you are. I'm a founder CEO of Saraset at CE for Cerebrum and Reset. And we have a non-invasive technology which helps uh, the brain to reset itself. And we have about 150,000 clients. We have over 800 people through clinical trials. Um, clinical trials have been with a uh, medical school here in the uh, United States, as well as with the military. Um, and you know, they have investigated such things using our technology as sleep and uh, cognitive ability and depression, anxiety, traumatic stress, um, postural orthostatic tachycardia, hot flashes for postmenopausal women, uh, migraines, and then uh, and pain. So um, we're we're involved in um, we have about thirty four offices around the uh, world. Uh, four more to are opening up now. We have four of those are in Europe actually, um, but um, and, and so my job really is to deal with brain patterns mostly. Okay. And um, my staff does all the work. I just, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm sort of the wizard behind the curtain. Okay. Right. And then, and then, uh, and then we, we, we move from there. But uh, of course we've had uh, tons and tons of people with various varying kinds of fear. And uh, yeah, I know it's a subject that's, that needs to be talked about. Yes, yes. And the reason I I picked this topic is that I do believe that things we do in life or things we don't do in life uh, to a large extent is based on, on our fears. Uh, so I wanted to sort of deep dive on that with you, that maybe starting with the, the, just the definition. What, what do you think fear is and, and why, do we, why do we even have fear? Um, fear uh, basically is a, um, a self-imposed condition about um, something outside or inside of ourselves that we don't yet know uh, the truth about. Okay. So um, there's one thing about um, being afraid I have a certain kind of illness, COVID. Mm -hmm. But then when if I'm diagnosed, then there's a whole nother degree and level of fear. Uh-oh, I do have COVID now. Oh my gosh. Now I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Yes. And so um, it, it's a natural instinct and one that we don't want to necessarily totally suppress because it keeps us alive. Right. 
and and um, and it's um, on the other hand, when you think of if somebody pulled a gun on you, uh, I would think you would be afraid. Mm-hmm. You would have a lot of fear, yeah. and so would I. But if you were in this, if you were a special operator, you've been trained for that over mm-hmm. and over and over and over. Yeah. And and it's not about you're not feeling necessarily anything, but the rigors that you've gone through to do this repeatedly in your in your brain leads you to take an action. Right. And the action you take is based on the situation. Fear is natural. It's not unnatural, but how we respond to fear yeah. is really based on how well balanced our brains are. If our brain is highly likely, it's, it's highly parasit, it's highly strong on the left side in the temporal lobe, we're going to be in what's called a parasympathetic dominance or a freeze response. And somehow or other, at some time, it may have been even when we were a fetus developing, but at some time, that brain found itself in a situation where it had to shut down and control the world in order to to save itself. Right. <clears throat> the other side of the brain, and, and you could think of that as the brake uh-huh. on a car. The other side of the brain is, um, if that's dominant on the right, that side leads us to uh, be in sympathetic dominance or fight or flight. So blood pumps to our extremities. We want to fight or we want to run. Mm-hmm. So the inherent condition of how balanced we are leads us to a way where we're, we're going to take the appropriate action. With the same fear, one person will freeze up and not be able to speak. Right. But the other person will try to run away or try to attack the fear, mm-hmm. one of the two. Yeah. Neither one of those things is helpful. So it's not the fear itself, but the response to it that matters. Yes, and, and I think when we when we think about fear, we often get into <coughs> these examples as we've now sort of talked about a bit. Physi- I, I would almost think about it as physical fear or uh, fear of physical consequences. Like if the person with a gun shoots me, I'm dead. That's pretty tough, right? I, I definitely would feel fear and, and try to get out of that situation. I would say there's also fear that is sort of less obvious, perhaps, that you might be fearful of putting a post on LinkedIn, because you might be fearful that someone thinks it's a stupid post. And so more of a social fear, I guess, uh, which really will never probably have any dire consequences apart from your own, uh, I guess, fear of losing face or, or losing your social status. What's your take on, on that kind of fear? Well, again, it's our response to it. And let's say um, I have a fear of uh, public speaking. Public speaking fear um, may result in a number of different things, right? And um, one of the things it may result in is me 
when I get up in front of an audience, freezing up. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, but one of the things that may result in is my re- getting up in front of an audience and being chatty Cathy. I don't make much sense necessarily, but I, I keep talking because I'm, because I'm, because of the anxiety, it's anxiety driven. Yeah. And so if I have something to do that I'm afraid of, and I'm likely to be have, I'm likely to be parasympathetic dominant. I will, I will also likely to be a procrastinator. If I have something to do and I'm likely that I'm that I'm that concerns me that builds anxiety. If I have something to do and I'm in fight or flight, I'm likely to attack it without appropriate thought. Again, the best I can do is with a balanced brain and then taking an action based on reasonability. And sometimes that action is to run. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that action is to say nothing. It's amazing, you know, at times, if you get in an argument with somebody, that saying nothing is the best possible thing to do. Yeah, because I, I think from our perspective, talking about selling, which this this show shows audience is is. Uh, Sales right. people and sales been, managers, and, and oftentimes that is absolutely the best thing to do. Don't just be quiet. Give the other person time to think too, as well as you. Yeah, and as a coach, <clears throat> a lot of managers are coaches, and you, you you sometimes fall into the trap of asking a question and then asking the next question too quickly before the person has had chance to really think about the first question you asked. So I, I, that's an interesting thing. I, I once heard someone say uh, that the acronym of fear is false evidence appearing real, uh, which is kind of interesting to your point of, it's really about the actions we take when we get into that fear, that emotion of fear, I guess, which uh, which is of importance. Um, and another thing I've heard hear people say, I've heard people say is that fear is the resistance of a future experience. How does that resonate with you? That fear is the resi- is resistance to a future experience? Is that yeah, it's the same. But again, it's the action you're going to take because of that. Who was it that said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself? I think it was Winston Churchill, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, it was during World War II anyway, but um, one of the great leaders during that time. Um, and, I, and I think that's a, that's a relatively good synopsis of it. Um, and, and I would just say it differently. I would say the only thing we have to fear is, is how we respond to it. If, if I can respond to it um, in, with reason, if I'm afraid of public speaking, then... You know, the question at hand is, of course, what am I afraid of? And I can get to that and say, well, I'm afraid I'll make a fool of myself or I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing or yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's all well and good and easily done. However, it's easy to analyze that. 
but not the response to fear. Because the response to fear doesn't come from that analysis. It comes from a brain pattern that works four to five times faster than our analysis or our action. Okay. That's so interesting. let's say I get, let's say I get angry. Mm-hmm. The truth is that four to five times faster than I even exercise anything related to that anger, my brain is already set, sitting there. Right. And so when we talk about, um, you know, we, we talk about anger mitigation in psychobabble, but the fact is we don't mitigate anger when, when we, unless we change our brain, we only control it. Mm-hmm. In other words, we still have it, but we just channel it. We try to channel it in a different way. But I'm an engineer and I say, well, that didn't get it for me. I don't want it. <laughs> just get rid of the dang stuff, right? I, I don't. I don't need this in my life. Get rid of it. Uh-huh. And so, because it's a time waster, it takes a lot of energy. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy to manage myself all the time, right? Yeah. And it's the same way with fear. I don't want to have to manage it. I want to be strong enough. So, if uh, I'm in an argument with somebody. I can actually tell them what what it's like, what's going on mm-hmm. if I need to. So, you know, hey, look, I'm afraid of what you might do if I'm if I have full disclosure here. So I'm just gonna do this. And the thing that um, we we forget as human beings is that when when we're in any relating to any other person in any set way. That person's human too. Yeah. <laughs> and that we and can when in fact, Oh yeah, let me tell you. And, and when in fact we say we can be fully disclosed, boom, the sheet falls down. Hmm. And what boom, do you mean when quickly. you say fully disclosed? What, what do you mean by that? Let's say I'm trying to sell you a car. Uh-huh. And we're talking back and forth, and you're 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 raising objections, uh-huh. and going down the, starting to go down the path that you're you're not going to want this. And if I say, you know, from what you described to me, this is the perfect car that you've that you've described, and I'm a, I'm a bit afraid now, how I should talk to you about it because I'm, I'm afraid that you're going to make a decision based on what I say and not the car. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you share Boom. your fear. Boom. It's over. Puts everybody on another playing field. Do you think we do that too rarely that we share sort of our fears and our concerns and, and, and be, that we're not that straight talkers. We try to talk around things and we, do things because we are fearful. We should have. We should say one thing and be show our, ourselves a bit vulnerable. But we want to be that strong salesperson, so we we push on. When I was a child, that was when that was when children still were disciplined with a paddle sometimes at school, right? So when I was a child, I, I turned around. I was very good in math, and the person behind me couldn't get the answer. And the teacher was leading him 
further and further down the rat hole. And I could tell he was just, you know, ready to lose it. And I turned <laughs> around and said, it's 17. And she just nailed me. And she said, were you telling him the answer? And the first thing I said was what? Yeah. No. Oh, you no. lied even. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh -oh. <laughs> right. Because I knew what was coming after that if I did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so the first thing I, I, I've been taught and in, in various subtle ways, we're all taught not to fess up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now politically, it's even worse, way worse. So we have a lot more at stake in, in culture. Right. So um, it's still the truth, though, that regardless of what color, religion, preferences we have, whatever, we both bleed. We're both human beings. And so and to put it down into the very basic kind of context, we're, we're both in this together. Because truthfully, if I'm the salesperson and you're buying the car from me or whatever, the best thing I can do is to get you what you want because then you're going to give me another sale. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a seller should be helping someone to make a good decision, right? Hey, go to that Lee guy because he's so stupid. He'll actually tell you stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I bought this card from him. And he told me all about it. It was just right on. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm curious to, to learn, you, you're good in math, you've studied math, you've studied, you're an engineer, uh, you have an impressive bio, as I mentioned. So, so what made you get into the, the science of the brain? What make, made you so curious about the brain? Um, actually, I didn't have a choice. I, I was assaulted. Um, in 1992, I was assaulted by four youth, one had a baseball bat. And I spent eight years with mild traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress and nothing could help me. Hmm. And people kept telling me that it's it's what I thought about it, and it's how vengeful I was, and it's how this I was, and it's how that I... Baloney. Everything in my life changed, boom, when that baseball bat in my forehead became intimate, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> became intimate. That's a good phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my forehead's not meant to be intimate with a baseball bat. No, 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 I don't think anyone's is intended yeah. to be that. No. <laughs> uh, so, so that's what happened. And because I didn't get help, I couldn't find help. And because I struggled, I was struggling so much. I started losing hope, and I, I, I did whatever I could, and what I could do at the time from what I knew was to start looking at my brain pattern. So I got some basic EEG equipment. I started looking at my brain pattern with okay. the computer, you know, because I was in the computer field. Yeah. Okay. And I saw when I was really having a bad time, my brain was highly asymmetrical, left and right hemispheres. When I wasn't having such a bad time, it was less asymmetrical. So then my question was, well, how do I get it so it's symmetrical? And that was actually pretty easy. Hmm. And, and I thought I was going to show it itself so it could change. But the time it takes to show you something on a video screen from my brain 
at the time, that was back in 2000, that took about five seconds. Okay. The time it took to, for, for you to, uh, to, for me to hear a sound, I would originate from my, from my brain was about um, a second. So it was five times faster for sound. So I used sound. Hmm. And what I did was take the dominant frequency in the middle and I put a sound to all those frequencies. And when every one was dominant, then I played that. The brain soon caught and it was in a resonance loop and it, and it just itself. It got itself out of that state. Now, it took a long time for me then, you know, like 70 sessions or 100 sessions, hours and hours and hours. Now it takes uh, four or five sessions of an hour, an hour and 50 minutes. And if you would compare this with uh, meditation, does it, does it compare at all or is it completely different? Um, meditation can quiet the brain and help. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if the brain's highly um, asymmetrical, it can't do it. You can't get to meditative state. And how and, do you and, know, how do you know if your brain is is not balanced um, the way you describe it? That you have a higher dominance in in the right part of your brain and the left part of the brain. And well, one of the things that um, can tell you about it, uh, at least. One of the things that can inform you of a imbalance is when you get into a high stress situation right after it. Let's say that you were driving down the street. You had somebody very important with you. You're a child or, you know, a dear friend, whatever, wife, mother. Yeah. And somebody pulled right out in front of you and you had a slam on the brakes mm -hmm. and barely missed them then you would naturally have kind of one or two reactions. You stupid idiot. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Fight or flight. Right. Or, oh, my God. I was driving too fast. Mm-hmm. Freeze. If the, if the incident doesn't bring up that much or a high degree of reaction response, then you're more reasonably balanced. If it does bring up a high degree of reaction where it's inappropriate uh, or where you play it back, for instance, when you go to bed, you can't get over the thinking about it and you don't get good sleep, that's an imbalance. Sleep generally is the key Okay. Really, if you can get if you get good sleep, uh -huh. say you know seven to eight hours preferably, and you wake rested, so it's non-medicated sleep, right? Yeah. Not with alcohol, not with drugs, not with whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, then, hey, you're you're reasonably balanced because the brain has a tendency to start resetting itself, cleaning itself actually, when you do sleep. So then on the topic of fear, then if you're, if you're afraid of something or if you're very nervous about public speaking, which I've, I've read is that the number one fear uh, in the US, I believe it was, which, which surprises me as a Swedish person, because we, we think Americans are, all, are always on stage and like to be on stage. Um, but how can, that's a different question, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. 
But um, if you're nervous about this, you're anxious about this future performance, you might lose some sleep on it. You, you might not be able to sleep because you're so afraid or anxious about this situation. Would you say that your brain is then imbalanced because of this fear and this anxiety about the future event? If, if your response to that is debilitating in some way, then yeah. Mm. And why do you think people are more afraid of public speaking than death? Because they'll be judged. That they'll be judged by people that are unfair. So, you know, I, as a boy, I used to say we were very, very poor. And my I had a sandbox to play in, right? Yeah. And this, I got a oatmeal carton that part of it was cut out and it had Tinker Toys stuck in for the wheels. And that was my sandbox truck, <laughs> yeah. right? Cool. So, but Johnny down the street got a Tonka truck. It was metal. The uh -oh. back came up just like a dump truck. It was so cool. I couldn't believe it. And I kept talking to my mother. I want a Tonka truck. I want and she kept saying the same thing. No, son, we can't afford that. Yeah. And then, you know, two or three times. And then she said, no, son, we can't afford that. Get over it. Right. So I heard those three words, get over it. I don't know how many times during my young life. She was an old woman, Midwestern, but high school graduate. That was a big thing for a woman at that age in the Midwest. But she was wise. Yeah. She was very, very wise. How did that uh, connect to, to fear for you then? That, that, or do you mean, or judged, being judged that he had this fancy toy and you didn't? He had what he had and I had what I had. Yeah, not, not more than that. So, how, what, what, did that relate back to some kind of feeling in you that, that you, um, that gave you motivation to go get? Totally acceptance first. Yeah. And then definition of direction. How? How? What do you mean by direction in that context? Well, if I want my kid then later to have Tonka trucks. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. I, I'm going to have to be more successful. Right. So when I had a chance to play basketball on a town team, you know, and make a few bucks and then work in a gas station. And, and, I, and that's what I was going to do because I love basketball, right? Yeah. And my mother said, oh, where are you going to live? And I said, well, I'm gonna, well, I'll live here. She said, no, you won't. <laughs> and, and I got it, right? Uh-oh, I'm going to have to go out and look for an apartment. I did. I thought, this budget isn't what I, this isn't cut out for me. <laughs> and so I went to college yeah. and I took a basketball scholarship to college. But um, uh, by the way, but um, I got rid of that after a year thinking these guys are big. <laughs> right. They're, they're tougher and better than me. Okay. And I'm never going to be a professional ball player. So I better get over it. Yeah. And I did. And I honed in on studies and majored in math and physics. 
very interesting. So you said something interesting um, about fear that we should fear the actions we take when we get into the feeling of, of fear. Did I get that right? Yeah, I mean, the only thing we have or we should be concerned about is how we respond to it. How we respond to it, yes. So yeah. uh, one thing I, I teach my kids is that once, if something happens in your environment or to you, uh, you have, uh, you can decide how long, usually, not always, but you can decide how long it takes for you to react to that. And because I think that's a very important thing to learn that you don't have to react to everything that happens to you or around you instantly. Uh, you can take time to think about what happened and how you should respond to get the best possible outcome from Precisely. that. Precisely. Uh, but I think sometimes when things are stressful and something happens, especially if we get into, a, like we get angry, like you said in your previous example, or we get afraid, we tend to maybe do things without much thought. And, and we end up with a situation we don't like because we did something stupid. Uh, so, so I guess you have to then learn to be aware of when you are in a state of mind of being fearful and, and maybe then take some extra time to relax and get into this, like you say, the, get your brain balanced before you, you make any, any, any uh, actions that are non-reversible specifically <laughs> all, all the old adages that um you know culture put on us uh, about balance diet exercise active activity um reasonable responses that's all true mm. it's all true it's what makes the racehorse a winner when, when you look at the most incredibly gifted athletes you see the same thing they you, you know michael jordan and he used to sit on the bench before the game and you'd think he was going to sleep and sometimes i think he did you'd see his head nod but when it came time that he stole the ball for a fast break you know he was he was like a missile yeah so he could turn it on and he could turn it off. That's power. Mm -hmm. Meditation can also give you that power, help you with that power a lot. If you're able to get into a meditative state, probably only 4% of the population can. Hmm. And why now, is maybe, that? Maybe if they, because they're imbalanced. Hmm. Maybe if they work for another couple of years, you know, daily, but a lot of us don't have that kind of, you know, they, they can go far, but they still can't get there. Mm. So when they did the uh, population in prison and they found that, uh, you know, they were hugely successful with population meditating, but the population they were successful with is only 2% of the population that started. Right. 98% failed. You don't hear that part. Yeah. Of course, it's extremely helpful. And I don't want to get people that might listen to this program away from meditation. It is helpful. 
And something else that's truly helpful, and it's 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 not it, it might not reset, but it will help us is how we breathe, is to breathe through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if you want to find out how you work, uh, just you know, if you have somebody will if you if you do certain kinds of stretches like on your legs and you pull one leg back as far, you know, some, something's pulling it back, even if you're pulling it back with a rope. Uh-huh. And all at once, oh, it hurts, <sighs> and you're not breathing. So if we can learn to breathe through stuff, hmm. that's a that's a good help. That's a good tool for us, right? You know, take the breath in, push our stomach out, and then when push the abdomen in, and then push the air out. If we do that a few times consciously. That'll help us. Yeah, you, you mentioned something about procrastination uh, being tightly connected to a certain type of brain imbalance. Uh, which which one was that? When when would you be more when you're when you're more prone to parasympathetic dominance, a freeze response, then you're more prone to procrastination. And let me give you an example of what might happen. Um, and how we might know if we're more parasympathetic dominant. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's say we go to a grocery store. Uh-huh. And we're, we're getting our, our groceries and we come and the checkout person is extremely rude. Okay. <laughs> and and we, we get um, the sign said, you know, this was X, do- X dollars or whatever for this product. But the product was in a sack and the sacks weren't, what we actually wanted was just one or two avocados, but we thought, well, for that price, I'll get this little bag. Yeah. But the little bag was five times that. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And we say, oh no, I don't want that. Well, that's what the sign said, didn't it? They were, you know, a dollar a piece or whatever. So -hmm. this is five of them. That's $5. Oh, I didn't know. Well, that, takes a lot of sense or something like that. They'd say yeah. to us, they're very rude. And the whole interchange happens that way. We want to say something to them, but we don't. Right. And then when we get out in our car, we say, I wish I would have told her or him, uh-huh. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a freeze response. Uh, okay. This tension goes high, the freeze response shuts down. Mm-hmm. Fight or flight response, the tension goes up, and we say, What the hell do you think? Who the hell do you think you are? I'm the customer here. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's kind of cultural though. I mean, I would I would I wouldn't see many Japanese people screaming like that in in, in the groceries. No, store. they might not scream, but they have ways of expressing it the same way. Okay. However, However, what you just said is also true. Probably the highest rate of suicide is in Japan for that very reason. Yeah, super interesting. So in your career, in what you now do, helping people balancing their brains, have you come across any particular examples of people who have been very, very fearful or anxious about things that you've... When I, there's a there's a number of people that are, um, you know, very fearful. 
let's say retired professional football players who know they're going down the path of CTE. In other words, they, they've built up, they've been, they've hit their head so many times, they've had so many concussions that's built up a, a, a plaque wall and okay. their brain's not firing like it should. Now, those guys come in and, you know, they're bigger than the door. Yeah. And they can still be afraid. They usually are. Yeah. And, and they're afraid of how they're going to be coming unglued over time. I can remember a, a, a very prominent quarterback who said to me, hey, I, all I want to know is how much time I have. I, I, I know which tree I'm going to set under to end this, but I'm not going to be a burden. And I said, well, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you if you have the courage, we might be able to help you. And I think he's going great guns. And that was three or four years ago. He's still going like, I think he's actually selling stuff actually. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, we worked, we've worked with him and of course he has to come back for more sessions, but um, you know, that's, what's one group. Another group surprisingly is, um, and, and it's not based on race at all. It's, it's, it's more based on poverty. Okay. Um, some of it's based on race. I, I take that back. Some of it is. And, and I, I know about that too, but say, we went, we went to a prison, a medium security prison, okay. and we had two inmates to work with who were uh, white, two Engl inmates who were Asian, two inmates who were Native American, Hispanic, and uh, African-American, right? We expected, I expected to see those inmates were all there for a long time, medium security, so they were being prepared, some of them to go to maximum security, and they were the bad boys of the 500 inmate population. Yeah. <clears throat> they didn't give us the good boys. No, <laughs> I get that. Um, and and so um, when we did work with them, I expected to see all of those brains that were in a sympathetic dominance, in your face, kind of right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, understood. They were all the opposite way. Oh, really? Interesting. Um, when we see a brain that's 20 or 30 percent or 40 percent imbalance, that's a lot for us. Okay. They were 256 percent imbalance on the average. Into the freeze mode, if I'm going to call it. That. Into the freeze mode, right? Uh huh. Okay. And and the thing of it is, the best way to come out of a freeze mode is anger. It's it's rage. Because when you rage, that means your mind goes into a fight or flight state and it, you, you feel good because you're balanced. Okay, so you suppress your, your emotions in a freeze mode, but sometimes you just have to sort of let that out. But when you let it out, it's kind of like popping a balloon. Right. Hmm. Very interesting. And we, we said, or you said early on that, I mean, fear is not something we want to get rid of because it, it protects us, right? It, it's a system that, that is used and needed by us humans. 
So we can't get rid of it and we don't want to get rid of it. Uh, but I guess we want to be able to manage uh, or, or be aware of <clears> when we have the feeling of fear uh, in order to, should I use the word manage? Can you manage fear? I think we should celebrate it. I think we should be really glad of it because it tells us something extremely important. There's something here that I didn't recognize. What is it? Hmm. Am I afraid that this person's going to say no when I ask them to buy this product? Is that what I'm afraid of? Well, no just means that when I ask them to buy it this way, they don't like the way I'm asking. I have to try something else. <laughs> but, you know, but when you find yourself being afraid, that's telling you something. That's telling you somehow you have a high value on what's around you, what you're doing, or the risk. Yeah. And so if you're going to have a, if you're going to take the risk, you have to assume that it's not always going to go your way. Yeah. Celebrate fear. I like that. So when you look at most hugely successful entrepreneurs, they've all crashed and burned two or three times. Bankruptcy. High percentage of them have gone bankrupt. And most people think, what's the matter with that fool? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, that was their learning process. Mm -hmm. And that's the salesperson's learning process. And, and they... And they don't, they fail to ask the simplest questions. Yeah. Well, what would make you buy this car from me? Mm -hmm. Or any car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, a price that's a uh, $1,000 instead of $5,000. Well, <laughs> <clears throat> I want to win the lottery too, but we both know that that's unlikely. <laughs> so, so what's real? What would, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all at once, you're leading the conversation. You're leading, you're leading. See, you're using your fear. Mm -hmm. My fear is this person's not going to buy from me. And the question is why? So basically, I mean, that, that I like the way you said it, like we should celebrate fear. And, and maybe be very curious of why, why am I feeling fearful right now? I mean, what is it that I'm afraid of? Uh, and, and what can I do? Uh, to sort of question maybe if that fear is real, and if it's real, then then try to take take steps to to sort of mitigate that yep. situation. I guess I love that. That's great. That's great advice. Uh, this has been a super interesting discussion. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>